To the measure of a fan, a Star Trek podcast in which three nerds watch all of Star Trek in chronological order, one of them watching it for the very first time. My name is PJ Montgomery, and I am joined as ever by Matt Troy. Hello. And resident Star Trek first timer, Elliot Red. Hey, everyone. Before we get into our episode this week, very occasionally we get some shout outs online from people who are enjoying the show, which is lovely. Thoroughly enjoy them. We had, I think, my favourite ever this week on Twitter. I've shown I've shown it to Matt and Elliot already. At Spence the Ghost on Twitter said that they just discovered our podcast and they are obsessed with our Malcolm Reed impressions. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, <laughs> it, it's a bitter pill. I mean, I love that, that they like them, but also <laughs> it's terrible that it has to be Malcolm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they did then compare it to us doing Space David Mitchell, so... <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally see that. Yeah. What about the poo, Captain? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take that. That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm just sorry that we only have a finite amount of time with our Malcolm impressions, and then we're going to have to find someone else that we can try and do terrible impressions of when we get to the other series. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. I'm sure that we'll find somebody. We should all start working on our terrible Scottish accents now, I think. That's... Oh, yeah. Actually, don't, because otherwise they might get good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this week we are looking at Marauders, the sixth episode of Enterprise's second season. It was story by Berman and Braga, but the actual teleplay was written by David Wilcox, and the episode was directed by Mike Vija. And we open at like a weird mining colony place where the workers are just looking miserable. They're aliens as well. They're alien workers look miserable. They got a lot of things to do. Very busy day. And then they see a spaceship coming down to the planet and they're like, oh, no, is it them? They're early. And then one of them goes, oh, no, it's not them because it's an Enterprise shuttle. That's literally the teaser. Yep. In many ways, slightly more disappointing than having who they're expecting show up. They now have to speak to, <laughs> to Archer, Tripp, and to Paul. And to Paul has come dressed for a disco. Like she. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that's the thing. The first thing I was going to say was I actually really like the set design of the mining colony. I think it looks great. And it's actually something I think Star Trek generally is very good at is this type of sort of industrial mining settlement thing. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, also. When they get out of the shuttle pod, uh, Archer and Trip are wearing their Natty Desert outfits. T'Pol's come in her snow disco suit. Yeah. I, I'm like, did you buy that on a planet and everyone felt too polite to tell her? Like, it's a bit weird. It's a bit much. Like, <laughs> it, it just seems to be her normal outfit, but with extra flares and heels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, flares. In white. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why T'Pol's costume is always different and why. Not only why it's always like separate from the others, but why it keeps changing this season as well. Yeah, and it did feel like she would step off of the aircraft with like a radio on her shoulders playing "Staying Alive." <laughs> <laughs> why doesn't she just wear a uniform? Because you'd think, that being a Vulcan, she'd like logically want to fit in. Like, if you're on an away mission, you want to kind of be associated with the ship. Is it literally just because she's just like? At one point, like they're they're in trouble, and she just wants to kind of just quietly walk away and pretend she had nothing to do with them. Like, oh, it's not me. I've got a different outfit onto those guys. I'm walking down the street. I don't know them. 
Well, it must be something like that because we know that Starfleet can give out field commissions to people who aren't who haven't gone through any of the academy training or anything like that. But you know, when you're in a pinch, you're like, yeah, we'll give you a field commission. There's there's a field commission of ensign in next gen, and Tom Paris in Voyager gets the field commission of lieutenant, doesn't he? So they can just give them out if they want. Just give her a field commission, put her in the same uniform as everyone else. She doesn't even need that. She could just wear the uniform and put on her own badges because that's what yeah. Chakotay does in Voyager, isn't it? He's got his Starfleet uniform on, but he's got like a Maquis insignia on his on his. Uh, yeah, all the Maquis yeah. crew, don't they? Yeah. So, so she could just yeah. have like a Vulcan insignia on or something. It's. I mean, we all know that it's just because Berman and Braga were going. Let's put her in some really tight, sexy outfits. Yeah. Like this is like the early two thousands. We are of a certain age. What do you find sexy, Berman? I say, like, oh, I really like women in disco clothes. Like. Yeah. <laughs> But one other thing to mention before we move on from this whole disco outfit, it is very similar to Dr. McCoy's disco outfit. There's another instance of this in Star Trek The Motion Picture when he gets returned to duty and he is wearing the disco. He looks like a Bee Gee. He does. And that is my favorite ever look for McCoy. And I'm so sad we only get it for one scene in one <laughs> film. I'm really looking forward to Elliot seeing that for the first time. <laughs> well, I hope you're happy to wait a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Elliot, I think you're going to love Dr. McCoy because I think if Dr. McCoy were on this enterprise, he'd be saying all the same stuff about Archer that you've been saying. So. Yeah, you would hate Archer. The, <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that the, the original series is probably the thing that i'm like one of the things i'm most excited to get to at some point in the future so i know it's a ways off but i'm excited to get there for when it does come me too because i always just love an excuse to watch the original series yeah <laughs> and they can they can say so much more than other series can <laughs> because it's the <laughs> 60s <laughs> my god <laughs> oh yeah there's some there's some uh, let's say problematic episodes. Yes, there are. <laughs> we will get into that in a couple of years' time. Oh, so after the credits, they land on the planet, and Archer says two sentences to the person, and then that's all it takes before they get offended. It's literally two sentences. He walks up to them and uh, he says, "Having problems with your? What does he say? He's having problems with shit? No, the pumps or something? No, pumps, they're trying the to pumps. Yeah." I was going to say your wife. <laughs> it's, something to do, it's something to do with what they're doing. And then he's like, oh, well, that's bad for business. That must be bad for business. And yeah, then, those yeah, two pumps are down, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And then that immediately like sets the guy off and gives him a weird look. It's two sentences after landing on the planet. So the leader of the uh, the settlement is named Tessic. I didn't get that from the episode. I'm reading that off Memory Alpha right now. I did get that from the episode, but it I immediately forgot it because I didn't write it down. Yeah. <laughs> but he's basically saying, no, you need to leave. And Archer's all like, but the Cretassans told us that you could give us some deuterium. And we took some damage a while ago. and We just need the deuterium now to make it better. So I'm guessing this is still fallout from the Romulan minefield. Yeah, I think so. Which is cool, actually. Who are the Cretassans again? They're the guys, that, the easily offended guys. They were the easily offended ones. Okay. Yeah, the one who yeah. made him shave a log with a chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that. I like that they're sort of acknowledging like their adventures as they go along. It, it, it's very much Archer turning up and going, "Ah, I see you're doing something that you know what to do very well." Well, I'm here to 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 tell you things about that. And you're like, "No, no, you're not. You can fuck off when you want, Archer," because that's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> what I quite like is basically Archer says, look, we need some deuterium and Tessic is saying, we cannot give you any, we have none to spare. And then this other guy goes, oh wait, could you help us fix the pumps? Alright, okay, if you help us fix the pumps, we'll give you some deuterium. And then the, the, the doctor on the planet goes, actually, we also need medical equipment. Oh yeah, that's right. If you could give us medical equipment and help us fix the pumps, we'll give you some deuterium. And then another guy goes, I want a sports car. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. If you can give us medical equipment and a sports car and help us fix the pumps, then we'll the give you some deuterium. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring peace. Anyway. <laughs> but I did just like how he kept saying, no, you can't have any. And then someone else would go, we, we do need this stuff, though. Fine, they can have some. <laughs> That Tessic reminded me of kind of like, it didn't look exactly like him, but you know when you kind of like watch a really old film and you see a re an actor who's really young and you're like, oh, that guy looks like a young Weasley Charles Dance <laughs> with a ginger wig. 
See, he made me think of... Uh, I'm struggling to remember the guy's name now. Guy from uh, Aliens with the flamethrower. Mates with Vasquez. Oh, Drake. What's, I can't remember the name of the actor. Yeah. He has a smartphone. Yeah, him. He was in The Departed as well. Hang on, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Because this is scintillating audio. I don't know Aliens well enough. Mark Ralston? Yes, Mark Ralston. Mark yeah. Ralston. I know that guy wasn't Mark yes. Ralston. But now yeah. I'm looking back at the episode. I am picturing and hearing Mark Ralston in that part. Yeah. No, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's not Mark Ralston, but we all wish he was. Trip goes back to the shuttle pod, and there's this episode's precocious child. Oh, yeah, the wiener kid in the cockpit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, just sitting there making noises, and yeah. If there's one thing that really crawls up my ass about every single periodic weekly science fiction tea time show is there's some bastard wiener kid in every <laughs> season to annoy me. I think this kid ranks somewhere <laughs> somewhere in the middle, to be honest. There are way more annoying wiener kids in Star Trek. He's fine, I guess. He's alright, but he's not very good either. He's just generic wiener kid. He's just there to make Trip look more appealing. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, gee, mister, my dad died in, a, in, in the past. Won't you stay here and fuck my mom? Like, it's... No. Nah, I'll fuck your mom, but nah. <laughs> I'm not sticking around. That's not the Trip Tucker style. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, basically, Trip says, hey, you want to come see my spaceship? And the kid's like, yeah. And Trip's like, well, you can't. Yeah, someone needs to get their hands on Trip Tucker's hard drive, I think. Because <laughs> that's a bit weird. <laughs> It it was odd. It was definitely uh, odd. I mean, I I I I'm jesting here. It, it was kind of sweet of Trip to you know just to be nice to some wiener punk kid who had effectively broken into this. Well, no, he hadn't broken in because like everybody in science fiction, they just leave the door open when they leave yeah. their shuttle trap. <laughs> I want to see an episode where like a dog gets in and, and they can't get back in because it's growling at them. Like that would be a cool episode. <laughs> That's a whole episode. <laughs> Oh yeah, that would be great. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it was an odd scene, but it was also, as you say, it was fairly, it was fairly nice. The kid, I think the 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 kid actor was fine. It's just the character they wrote was, you know, Wiener Kid number one. Yeah, yeah, he was fine. He was he was good. Let's get him on the show. <laughs> I did wonder, like you know, he's probably an adult actor at this point. If he did continue to act, I wonder if he's ever been in anything else at this point that you may have seen him as an adult. It's, you know, it's possible. We've already seen this kid as an adult. It's, it's, he's probably like Elliot's age, right? Maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe a little older, to be honest. Because Elliot's super young. Well, so young, Elliot. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in double digits just like you two. Ah, uh, yes, but your first digit is a lot lower than our first digits. Right. Jesse James Rutherford is that kid, and... That name sounds familiar. That's a hell of a name. Yeah, he is an actor known He's dead, for... isn't he? No, 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 he was born in oh, August God. 91, so he is he is older than Elliot. Only by two years, though. <laughs> oh, God, he's he's done something called The Neighbourhood, lots of that. And something called Dickie Roberts' former child star. That's all he did after Enterprise in terms of acting. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. But he's also written... He's the writer of songs on soundtracks as well for things from The Equalizer, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and Todd's Pop Song Reviews. So not not a huge career for Jesse James Rutherford. Oh, well, I mean, that's not bad. He's doing all right, you know? Yeah, Could yeah. be worse. That's better than my resume. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you grudgingly co-present a Star Trek podcast <laughs> <laughs> It's not on my fucking CV, I'll tell you that <laughs> Also, so like the next bit is where they go on to into, into sickbay, right? And, and Flock yeah. sort of giving her like a starfish trying to give her a, a starfish uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm such a child um, But he also gives her like a tool 
like some kind of weird tool. And I've got like a weird feeling that that tool he gives her, like it's a neural regenerator or, you know, subdermal regenerator or something. But I feel that the prop was something else and I couldn't figure out what it was. It looked to me like, you know, those, those like metal contraptions with like a trigger and a spring and then you put like a can of sealant or something in it and then you can seal up oh diy yeah like um a sealant gun kind of thing yeah that kind of thing yeah i bet that's probably what it was just like dolled up a bit like i mentioned this maybe like once every month but like in the phantom menace where qui-gon jinn uses a lady shaver as his communicator yes just just paint it a different color slap a couple of bits of plastic on it and there you go and you're away yeah alien prop i like the part where he used his lightsaber as a door key <laughs> <laughs> but flocks while giving her the medical supplies that they want is like oh this stuff you're taking that's usually for plasma burns and she went deuterium burns can be almost as bad as plasma burns don't don't push it leave me alone flocks <laughs> is suspicious yes but since we don't see flocks again for the rest of the episode it comes to nothing yes it it, it does and that was a shame actually i was i was kind of enjoying him ratting, ratting her out to the captain i was looking forward to <laughs> well yeah that's all we get but it did make me think just in this brief flash of flocks how i'm interested to see if it ever gets to it the character put in any kind of tense or serious situation how he'll react oh it happens oh i'm sure but all we've the most serious we've seen him we saw him get was in dear doctor um about about the planet stuff but i want to see him in danger in a in a threatening situation and see how he reacts because he's not going to be all bubbly and floxy there's some stuff i definitely remember from the fourth season involving flocks that's quite brutal and dark stuff as well actually so yeah, you're definitely going to see a different side to Phlox later on. Cool. But we cut away from Phlox. Bye-bye, Dr. Phlox. Um, I don't... Why did I do that? I don't know. <laughs> Let's just move on quickly from it. Yep, next. So it doesn't become a thing. <laughs> we go to the bridge and Travis goes, uh-oh, there's some Klingon vessel coming out of warp. Oh, God. You know what? In two years' time, that you're going to have like a children's book out, aren't you, called Bye-bye, Dr. Phlox? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't believe I'm making a thing of it. <laughs> no, not if we don't mention it again. Okay. Or if it's going to get me some cash, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the Klingons have turned up. In their ship that I think we see once. Oh, we see, yeah, I see it once or twice. Interesting ship fact. That is, I think it's a D5 uh, model uh, ship that they're using. And I think it's D5 or D4. I'd have to double check it. But it's basically the big Klingon battleship they have uh, in Enterprise. But they've, like, strapped a bunch of, like, fuel cells onto the outer hull to imply that it's, like, a freighter. And it's been, like, t- chatted about online that maybe this, like, Klingon captain is actually just running a side hustle. And he he's basically lining his pockets because he has a ship. And uh, he's using it to steal um, the deuterium. But obviously, by setting up the ship in that way has made it, like, much more vulnerable than it would be if it was a battleship. So <laughs> obviously you could just shoot any of those fuel cells and it would explode. Yeah, to make it into more of a freighter type ship and also make it a match for the Enterprise rather than a Klingon battle cruiser, which yeah. would kick the shit out of them. You know, yeah. Yeah. The Klingon captain's name apparently is Korok. And now I'm just thinking of the little guys from The Legend of Zelda. Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't give us any seeds. Oh, I'm glad. You wouldn't want a Korok seed from him, trust me. You know what Korok <laughs> seeds are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he just hands Malcolm a steaming pile of his own turn. Stop, stop, no, 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 no. We don't need this to be the core central theme of a podcast, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the Klingons beam down to the planet. Uh, Archer orders the Enterprise. Actually, the Tessic says, please don't get involved. And Archer thinks, oh, but I fucking love getting involved. <laughs> I mean, yeah, as soon as the Klingons turned up, I kind of like, I knew. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see exactly where the episode's going to go. Klingons beat the people up. People go, we get beat up. The Enterprise comes down and goes, look, we dealt with Klingons. They're fucking dumb. We'll show you how to be a smart and then you'll win. <laughs> We'll show you how to be a smart. And then you'll win. And then the Klingons go, oh, we just can't be a smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all done. 
<laughs> I mean, you've basically done the episode now, Elliot. I guess we can stop there. It's. I, I mean, I, you know, they, they there are some more details in how they'd go about it, but I could really see how the episode was going to play out pretty much as soon as they landed. I mean, it's... It's the Seven Samurai, isn't it? Or yeah. the Magnificent Seven? If you have you seen either of those, Elliot? No. Ah, but it's either of those, isn't it? The you know the yeah. miners are the villagers, Klingons are the bandits. One of the many hundreds of iterations of that plotline that you will find from TV shows as diverse as like Bonanza to you know Star Trek Enterprise. Also. Like, you know, in most of those shows, the odds are there. You know, you can see, right, okay, these guys, they're dangerous, well-trained men. Just fly the Enterprise around the planet a bit and just fucking shoot it with torpedoes and the ship will explode and everyone, all the Klingons are dead and that's it. Like, that's my my get out with it. This is my whole plot for this episode. <laughs> Archer, to be fair, does try not to get involved at first. He orders the Enterprise to go out of sensor range and then he and trip and to Paul hide and <laughs> they watch as the Klingons come down and threaten Tessic and go, Hey, give us the deuterium. And Tessic's all like, Oh, you're early and we don't have it. And they go, no, 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 you're going to give it to us. Oh, we'll give you a couple of days. Cause we're nice like that. And there's a whole bit where trip says, can you hear what they're saying? And to Paul's like, fuck yeah, I've got great hearing. <laughs> yeah. Good ears. I noticed that. <laughs> it's interesting. I liked. I liked when, <laughs> after all of that, they he wit they witnessed that they're getting bullied, uh, and it literally is just bullying. Uh, although they mentioned that there's been a few villagers killed, didn't they? The Klingons did kill a few of them. Yeah, Tessic says they tried to stand up to them because they, they. This is the fifth season in a row uh, of their mm. deuterium mining that the Klingons have turned up, and three seasons in they did try to stand up to them, and yeah. the Klingons killed a bunch of people, including Precocious Child's parents is inferred it's probably could you know one of them could probably be quite angry at me for just saying it was just bullying but uh, all we saw was just bullying but then there's a great scene that just reminded me of every time matt brings up to paul being annoyed at archer when he brings her into the captain's room staring out his window and goes would you leave them to paul no no you wouldn't leave him no one would leave him we gotta go back we gotta go back down now and it's just i had a complete image to paul just lowering her head <laughs> it's so tired <laughs> that's that's the next scene isn't it they go back up to the Enterprise and Archer's all I really want to get involved to Paul yeah <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah <laughs> says, no, to be fair I kind of want to get involved this time as well but short of killing the Klingons any action we take could just make things worse and Archer goes go back to that killing thing you were just saying yeah I mean again just kill them you could get like <laughs> 22 armed men from Enterprise, you know, just with with fucking phaser rifles, just dot them around the, the town, move everybody into those hills. When the seven Klingons beam down, <laughs> just pepper them with phaser bullets. Like, just, just kill them. And then shoot down their ship, like, blow it up in orbit. I can't stress this enough. The problem is solved forever. Okay, okay. I... For the one and only time, I'm going to be the other side and say, what about the other Klingons that they were talking about? Would there not be a revenge party at some point, possibly? Nobody knows. This guy's going off grid. He's, he's sneaking around, stealing deuterium from like various places in the quadrant. So just, just blow him up. Yeah, and if the Klingons turn up, go, oh yeah, like some guys came and there was a there was a fight in space. Like as you can clearly tell, we have literally no way of fighting Klingons here. Wasn't us. <laughs> Look, doesn't uh, doesn't that completely negate Archer's idea of going to the Klingons somewhere else and being like, oh, you got this, you know, there's a guy out there, and I've helped Klingons in the past and stuff before. Wouldn't those Klingons then, in that case, just be like? I how do I know? So what? I don't. I don't care. Kill these guys. The, the Klingons would just say to Archer, "Why don't you pull your dick long enough so you can stick it up your own ass and go fuck yourself?" Like they're literally going to say that to uh, to Archer because they don't care. <laughs> as far as they're concerned, like he he got that guy back to Kronos and he could see his house from where wherever he was. I can't remember what happened. Like their deal is done. I don't think the I don't think the Klingons would, would like just nominally help Archer over this like little problem. I just that's just Archer being optimistic. They should have just killed all those Klingons. 
So yeah, <laughs> so the best best outcome is you actually just kill all the Klingons, and if ever you are encountered by another Klingon who says, "Didn't you kill a bunch of Klingons?" You just be like, "Yeah, but with honor." So no, I just say no. I never saw any Klingons at all. <laughs> it's called lying. It's amazing. <laughs> What's a Klingon? <laughs> But they don't want to just straight up murder the Klingons because, I don't know, moral high ground or something. Good guys. <laughs> yeah, and Archer does the whole um, teach a man to fish. Uh, yeah, this is, this is the next bit. He goes down to the planet. He's like, we'll teach you to defend them because he says, we've got a saying on my planet. If you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. If you just donate five pounds a month to Oxfam. <laughs> Well, I was going to quote, you know, uh, our, our sort of mutual uh, friend Trevor J. Williams' this joke around that, where he said, you know, if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he'll bore you to death for the rest of your life with boring stories about fishing. <laughs> <laughs> they keep fucking doing this with Archer. They keep putting him in a scene where he's doing some manual labor and giving a speech at the same time. So his speech is all fucking strained and strenuous. And he's supposed, I don't know what they're trying to do with him. They're trying to make, he's always following orders from somebody else while he's doing these speeches. Thought you'd be off charting your next star system by now. Sometimes I have a bad habit of overstaying my welcome. Well, you obviously didn't come down here in the middle of the night to help me with this crawler. <clears throat> Seems to me this crawler is the least of your problems. We've been through this before. It's not your concern. Give it another turn. You said they've been coming here for what? Five seasons? How much longer do you plan on letting this go on? Another five? That's good. Leave it there. Reconnect this cooling line. Intakes above your head. I had a talk with my tactical officer. We're confident you have the ability to defend yourselves. We already tried. There are eight people buried not far from here who can attest to that. I don't know if they're just trying to make like a labor working man more of a farmer fucking man, you know, like... They're trying to make him, like, an all-American hero. He's Jimmy Carter. He's, like, the Jimmy Carter of Starship Captains. Like, that is very much Jimmy Carter's MO. Like, he's done, like, loads of work to, like, you know, help build... I think he's dead now. I'm not sure. Maybe he's still alive. Um, but he's done, like, loads of work to, like, build, like, homes, affordable homes for Americans. And also, he's kind of, like, the president that a lot of Americans don't like. So, yeah, exactly like Archer. It's it's that thing, isn't it, of, of showing, you know, I'm one of you. I will do the work with you, and then I will give you a speech while I'm doing it. And because we're doing the work together, you'll come around to my point of view. And it fucking works. It works on Tessic here. Tessic's all like, yeah, fuck it. Let's let's do a non-lethal trap on these Klingons. So just kill them all. <laughs> and then next thing you know, Malcolm is there, like, rigid with excitement about doing a war game. <laughs> Yeah, they're now making plans. They've got a map. And basically their plan is, look, we'll move the town 15 metres. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, blow them up. Like, oh, right. here's a better idea, right? Leave the town where it is. Put 22 <laughs> armed Starfleet men and women in the, in the community. Set your phases <laughs> to stun, right? Stun the crap out of all the Klingons. And then photograph them, uh, like, I don't know, in, in compromising poses. And then go, like, if you come back here, we're going to release these pictures of you on the space internet. <laughs> or just kill them. Just put that out there again. <laughs> just kill them. Yes. Anyway, this then leads to the training montage where they've got that the digging and moving the town on the planet and burying things and on the spaceship hoshi and malcolm are teaching people how to shoot little remote balls but they keep missing them so hoshi tells them to put the blast shield down and they reach out with their feelings <laughs> i mean it, it did you know really did feel like star wars for a sec and then back back to oh, normal 
And was there was a lot of stormtrooper aim in this episode as well. So <laughs> yeah, from all sides. And then so doesn't somebody say this plan is a long shot, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. And then I've got a note here that says no. They could put a dozen armed Starfleet officers on the ground and blow up the freighter from home. <laughs> but you're missing you're missing the point, Matt, because then we get I think this is the point of the episode. Topol gives a long speech about Klingons have like these weapons. They got the Batleth, they got the Mechleth, they decapitate you, they can stab you. I'm an expert in a martial art. I can't teach you that. I can teach you how to duck. Yeah, duck and roll. <laughs> and that's it. She makes Travis attack her with a big pugil stick from Gladiators, and then she just ducks and rolls. And and well, there we go. Now you can fight a Klingon. So inefficient. So inefficient. You never want to put yourself on the ground. Yeah, shoot them from a distance. To be fair, though, and I will note this: this actually works one hundred percent of the time when they actually get round to fighting. So, once again, to Paul has proven himself <laughs> to be the one effective crew member. I know. It's almost as if the Klingons never think to do any other kind of slash other than the ones that help with the choreography of this single <laughs> move that they've been taught to do. We, we can only do this downward slash. The sideways <laughs> one is beyond our capabilities. <laughs> and, yeah, training montage. Then we get a scene where Archer and Tessic are talking in a tent. And Tessic's like, I'm nervous that people are going to die. And Archer goes... I saw a gazelle once. <laughs> oh, he's got a big face, doesn't he, Archer? <laughs> I just remembered Matt saying it the other day, and I was just like, oh, he's, he's right, it is a big face. I, it, I was watching this episode. It's, it's, it's the, for, for a reason, though, it's a big face, and it's there to like get into your face and dominate your face. It's that like that. He's the captain. Yeah, because his face, his face. just dominated <laughs> everybody big. else's face. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he actually says, I'm nervous too. Do you know I got shot in the leg once? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he did great. bring that up. Pretty sure Malcolm was behind, Malcolm was behind him going, I got fucking stamped through it. I had to sit and listen to you fucking fixing a fucking mind for an hour. <laughs> and then Trip leaps in and goes, I got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Travis is like, nobody knows who I am. <laughs> Paul comes in and goes, you all stink. <laughs> also, just like a side, side note here. Travis is buff. Yes! <laughs> he is yeah. Those are some arms. Send Travis down there. He'll beat those Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck him up. Yeah, we see him in his vest when he attacks Paul with the pugil stick. and th- Damn! <laughs> he has been working out. <laughs> must it's, must be the the joystick he uses to fly the Enterprise. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he never skips arm day. <laughs> anyway, we cut then to later, and it's time for the Klingons to arrive. So they do. There's no one there, and they're all like, "Ooh!" And I noticed in this scene, Klingon captain, he's got a natty pair of binoculars there. I saw those binoculars, and I was like, oh, "Someone's going to have to mention those binoculars." <laughs> 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 Luckily, he does use them later on. So, you know, Chekhov's binoculars, absolutely fine. <laughs> also, the next note I've got is, to be fair, they literally could have just shot them all and blown up the ship. <laughs> <laughs> this, I'm, I'm noticing a theme with your notes this week, Matt. <laughs> they beam into the middle of the town, right? Into yeah. that little area. All seven of them do it. Like, and it, it, if everybody just formed a circle around it, they could just pump round after round of phaser bullets into their like <laughs> supple Klingon bodies until they were dead. <laughs> then the Enterprise could shoot the ship down from orbit. They could like disable the ship and then they could just like tow it into the sun and then nobody <laughs> would ever know that there'd been a ship there at all. <laughs> I realised if I was a Starfleet captain I'd have a lot of explaining to do when I, I got to drop my logs off at the end of the mission. <laughs> it's It's just there's a there's a million different things they could have done. It's an it's an open world to what they could have done to trap these Klingons and kill them. What with how stupid Klingons are, like, or at least how you know how stupid I've seen them be portrayed. I don't know any other Klingon other than stupid, dumb, violent, big bully guy. Like it's the only Klingon I've ever seen at this point. You know what electricity is, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm aware you, of its work. So, like, do you know that thing they transport down onto that's made of metal, right? That little, that floor thing, yeah? Mm-hmm. Just put some, like, electric things on that, like, attach it to a couple of batteries. When they beam down, turn it on. Yeah, that's one. I mean, any of, replace anything that they beam down to with an explosive and you've got the same result. Yeah. Don't move the town 15 metres along. <laughs> Days work. <laughs> you could actually deliver a non-lethal dose of electricity and then just like capture them all. And Probably have the same... would have been easier to dig a six-foot hole with a thin covering above it beneath the place where they're going to beam down to and just point your gun straight upwards. It would have taken like maximum a day compared to the three days work they spent moving the whole town. They've got diggers. Like they could literally dig like a 15 feet pit below the thing. And then when the Klingons beam onto it, their weight causes that whole thing to collapse and they fall into the pit. And then they just like slowly over the course of months, fill it with urine. Like <laughs> literally anything else apart from move the whole town 15 meters to the left. <laughs> Not to mention, they they must have so many resources to be able to create that much fire for that long, like, and then just be fine afterwards and before and all of that. Like, they must have enough resources to have come up with several different things that were lethal at the very yeah, least. Like tubes, right? Tubes with nozzles at the end of them that shoot the deuterium gas and then an ignition source, and then. Literally, that could have created a ring of fire around the where they landed if they were totally locked into this fire outcome. You know, uh, then we wouldn't have got to see all the scenes of people ducking and rolling. Oh, well, to Paul being Captain America for a brief second. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's Paul was amazing. Which, yeah, that was, which, that was great. People in Captain Amer- Captain America also gets boxed in by fire in his film. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that to Paul just kicking a Klingon in the face several times. I was here for that. <laughs> and then doing a sweet, doing her tuck and roll, but with a grabbing his leg and flipping him down to the floor. Yeah. Knocking him out. My next note is when they approach the hill, they could have easily shot them. <laughs> <laughs> Did the Klingons not have guns? They did have guns. Okay. They all went down with like pistols. Everybody else had a rifle with a sight on it. Which has the implication that you can accurately shoot at range. Like, that's why that happens on a gun. Apparently, the the guns were leftovers. They were a mixture of Jem'Hadar rifles, Bajoran weapons, and then the one sniper rifle from Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. <laughs> or, right, and this is, a, this is a thing, get a dozen guys from the ship down and hide <laughs> them in the hill. And when they're all trained in military, like, secu- Malcolm's security team, like, four of them could have shot four Klingons immediately. Then there's three left. <laughs> and then everyone else could have just like shot at them from wherever they were until eventually they just you know succumbed to their wounds. I mean, yeah, I, I have to admit, I don't know. If I had to be on Archer's crew and I... Oh, God. If I had to follow these or these orders of this man and be like... And he was like, we're not killing them. No killing them. I was like, okay, well, in that case, you're just going to get a bunch of people with guns. And as soon as they teleport down, we're going to shoot them all in the feet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Disintegrate their feet. Literally, knee, just anything kneecap or below, just bang. Yeah, Whatever. just like drop them into a pit and then put small spikes at the bottom of the pit. <laughs> you know, just penetrate their feet and legs. Find this planet's equivalent to snakes and then build a pit <laughs> using whatever. They, oh, this. yeah, there's lizards, isn't there? They just chuck lizards in the pit with them. Instead, we get the Klingons regrouping and Archer going, ah. Oh, Oh, they're not in the right place. Let's move another 15 metres that way. And then they just (laughs) slowly walk to the left, and the Klingons do the same until the Klingons are in the middle of a big ring of fire. Yeah, Yeah. that was was like, you know, 30 to 40 seconds of the episode. Yeah. Let's just all move to the left a bit. Yeah. Oh, they're not in place. What should we do? Go get in place. My next note is, boo, this is fucking lame, murder them. <laughs> but instead, the Klingon captain goes, well, your deuterium sucks anyway, and they leave. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what he says. It's not verbatim, but that is exactly what he says. <laughs> you know, he, he mentions a garbage scow. 
Oh, I was going to note that. Klingons yeah. are obsessed with garbage scows, aren't they? They are. They are. Yeah. But that's that's it. Then the Klingons are gone for good, apparently. And that's that. They tried to give, what was his name? Kessel? <laughs> Tekken? Tekken? Yeah. They tried to give Tekken 7 his like, good speech at the end and have him be a big hero and have him you know, say, oh god, he actually said we're not afraid of you anymore. <laughs> like he's, yeah, like an imaginary friend that's scary. Like you know? a Pixar character protagonist, yeah. Yes! Like... <laughs> yes! I was thinking, um, Donnie Darko, I'm not afraid anymore! <laughs> <laughs> Uh. Yeah, but then Trip gives the precocious kid who wasn't allowed to do the fighting uh, the schematics for the Enterprise, so he can really sabotage it when he grows up. <laughs> like that's a really boring thing. Like, given the like the tablet, God, I've given you a tablet computer. Like, it's got a GTA Five on it. It's got Facebook, and uh, I've stuck the schematics for the Enterprise on there if you're into that kind of thing. And a couple of my short stories as well. They're pretty dark. <laughs> like, you're only saying no. This is the schematics of the Enterprise. I don't know if you know anyone on your planet that's like into like producing and making these kind of like you know kind of short stories. It's, it's if, uh, if you just hand that to them if you see them next time. I don't know, if you if you know anyone if you if you know anyone like I'm a kid. Yeah, and also like, what if somebody came like and just raised that colony to the ground and then they were like, oh look at these schematics for like. It's no, powerful I, warships. I thought this exactly. Yeah, I was like, should you really be handing out the schematics to your starship? Does this also isn't this slightly in violation of that like big old law thing about interfering with planets and giving them technology? They don't have that yet. Yeah, but but also like these are not a primitive culture. They are like a spacefaring culture. They're just like on the fringes of their civilization. Like they're like oh, you know, okay. quite far from their homeworld. Okay, this isn't brand new technology. It's just stuff they they haven't got access yeah. to. Like I'm sure that the schematics are probably like you know my first schematics, and it's like <laughs> the kids like pressing the button to find out where the toilets are and stuff. But the, you know, the Osborne book of Enterprise, <laughs> yeah, it's like the Star Wars Incredible Cross Section books. You know, oh, I used to love those. Yeah, I mean, I still kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> and then Archer goes over to Tessic, who's all, "Hey, hey." We were only going to give you a little deuterium, but we're going to give you a lot of deuterium. And Archer's like, oh, that's nice of you. And then leaves without it. The end. <laughs> he just walks off to the shuttle and leaves the pile of deuterium behind him. And they take off. Presumably, once the credits roll, they go, oh, fuck the deuterium and beam it up or something. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They seem to like these endings that leave on... Uh... A good again, like you know, thirty to forty seconds of them just kind of getting in a ship and flying off. Yeah, I was expecting a final word somewhere, and there wasn't one. Like they were just kind of like, "No, nope, we're done." You know, here's a good minute of them leaving. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what they do. That is Marauders. Here's what I'm going to say about Marauders: bit of tweaking and some solid rewriting here and there. This would have been a good first contact with the Klingons episode. Yeah. Yeah. This is where they should have made first contact with the Klingons. Absolutely. And like in a slightly better version of this. But... Again, though, I mean, like this Klingon guy is obviously not a good example of Klingons. He's, he's kind of cowardly. He's a bit grubby. He's obviously not like a pro. I think, right, that he has been disgraced in some way or he's just got a bunch of like wrong and Klingons and they're doing a bit more like Ferengi work like they're going around like nicking deuterium off people like I can't imagine there's any honour in this man at all whatsoever no definitely not I think well he's just a prick isn't he yeah he somehow got a fairly important ship but he's also like modded it down so it's actually not very useful at all he's yeah he's a weird Klingon the Klingons in this episode although they look and superficially act like Klingons are our Romans in Klingon society. I'm sure there was a line from T'Pol saying that I don't think the Klingon High Council cares about these guys. I don't think yeah. this is an official Klingon thing. These are just pirates, basically. Yes, I, I yeah, I agree. And that's slightly better for the episode, I think. Again, this didn't need to be Klingons, really. Like It would have been an interesting first contact episode, but also it could have been generic. It could have been Norsicans. It could have been anything. Any generic pirate aliens wouldn't have mattered. 
I think if we hadn't had Klingons yet, bringing in the Klingons in this way, that would have worked for me. But as we have had the Klingons, it just felt unnecessary. And yeah, mm. Norsicans, I think, would have been would have made a better episode. Yeah, it felt a little kind of Star Trek, just uh, only if, you know, not too much. It just felt a little bit like Star Trek was kind of basking in its own, like, oh, we just love Klingons and bringing up Klingons. <laughs> like when, when T'Pol's giving the whole speech about all the Klingon weapons and going into detail about it, it's just Star Trek going, we know you like Klingons. Like, yeah. There's not much more to it than that. Yeah, it's just using legacy aliens to try and prop up a, a subpar episode. And mm. the, the the most frustrating thing about this is that with the, the sort of the seven, seven samurai model of, of of an episode is you're meant to have seven like heroes and then they're yeah. meant to die one by one or you know maybe not all of them but some of them. And there was no tension because nobody died or was in any kind of remote risk of dying. And this episode was bullshit. Eight people were already <laughs> dead before we even got there. Yeah, I know. They died <laughs> a couple of seasons ago. I like that bit at the end of the episode as well, where like I, I think Archer says to him, like, have a good season to to, to Tessic, and he's just like, Yeah, you too, mate, because it's been a rocky start for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Archer's season is going downhill, isn't it? Yeah, he needs to get on it and get some good stuff happening. Archer sucks. <laughs> guess, have we exhausted Marauders there? Matt, do you want to tell us that you'd kill them all again one more time? Or <laughs> Yeah, why not? What I would do is I'd get about half a dozen to a dozen Starfleet officers down from the ship, arm them up with modern <laughs> Starfleet weaponry, uh, maybe even like small explosive devices that you could maybe rig up from the deuterium in town. Just get them all around that square where the Klingons materialize, pump round after round of laser bullets into them, and then destroy the ship in orbit or disable it and drag it into the sun. <laughs> That's the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would. This, you could, how many Klingons were there? Seven? You could Seven. have gotten all 80 members of the Enterprise to in three days hand make a craft like a diy dt session their own handmade catapults and literally sling rocks at them 80 people doing that at seven klingons you'll kill them in no time you could build a mech warrior with pincers <laughs> for hands that beheads them one by one and and the the disruptor rounds wouldn't penetrate the thickness of the armor like that's better than moving the town moving the town 15 meters to the left could just beam the klingons into space Beam yeah. the Klingons into space. Fucking hell. You can do that. Yeah. Or you could just send the pollen. Yeah, she'll just kick them all in. Literally. <laughs> you could get high tensile, like, metal wire, razor sharp, and then have a little machine that just draws it together really quick and bisect the Klingons at waist height. I'm now worried this podcast has become How Would Matt Kill Klingons? <laughs> Couldn't they also have just, like, taken all of the villagers onto the Enterprise and then just blown up the entire area the Klingons, like, va uh, vaporize into with that, like, big old gun on the Enterprise? Yeah. Yep. They could have turned the power down on the gun so that it just, like, literally would have just shot that area they were and just melted yeah. the Klingons. An explosion the size of the camp. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't have to destroy the whole camp. You could have probably just, you know, accurately shot at that one bit. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They can control the size of the explosion at this point, can't they? Yeah. Make it a seven Klingon person size explosion. What they should have done is got, like, a grid below the Klingons that was really sharp that their own body weight would just, like, cheese grate them through it. <laughs> now I'm worried Matt is 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 trying to remake the film Cube. <laughs> oh, that's a great film. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Canada recently. That's where that was filmed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, are, are we are we done on Marauders or did you have more Matt uh, let's have a look <laughs> yeah I got a few more pages but I'll, I'll spare you all <laughs> do you have any diagrams or is that... <laughs> I could maybe knock some up <laughs> oh there is one other thing he says to the, the kid says to Trip like do you think you'll come back and like, all I could think of was Trip going only if we get a fifth or a sixth season and you're like, yeah, <laughs> <never coming> back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, our next episode, the seventh episode of season two, is literally titled The Seventh. Elliot, uh, what are you expecting from that lazy, lazy 
work in progress title that they didn't bother to change. How could I ever guess? Like Enterprises, uh... Uh, this season feels like it's going quite slow, guys. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we just have to keep at it. It'll be over soon. <laughs> Come on, Elliot, guess a plot. Just guess a plot for the seventh. Okay. Uh, Travis crashes the ship, and then they have to learn his name for the insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's exactly it, though. (laughs) Uh, Do you know what? I've seen this episode recently somehow and i can only think i watched this episode by accident when we were like looking at maybe like season one episode seven and i just watched this one i don't but i don't know how but i've seen this episode and i'm <laughs> gutted that i have to watch it again. <laughs> i it's another one i have no memory of so uh that's exciting it might be all right fingers crossed so we'll be back next week to discuss the seventh in the meantime if you would like to find us online the podcast is present on on twitter facebook and instagram links in the description you can also find our own individual online presences there as well we also have a coffee account if you do enjoy the show and would like to tip us we would greatly appreciate that any proceeds do go back into making the show as good as or even slightly better than it currently is if you want to do that you can go to coffee that's ko-fi.com slash the measure of a fan and please also do rate and review us on your podcast app of choice especially apple podcasts that really does help push us up the rankings if you're able to do that and again we would hugely appreciate any of your positive comments and your five star ratings we will be back next week with the seventh take care everybody bye-bye bye-bye Sorry, a cat just jumped on something in here. That was weird. Well, there's what no did cat jump? in here. I don't know. I can't see a cat. <laughs> oh, ghost cat. I've got, got a ghost, ghost. cat. <laughs>